Oh man, still <laughs> glowing from that win over the uh, the Wizards. Oh yeah, remember that one? <laughs> yeah. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DMBA show. Let's go. There it is. Some energy in the building on a Monday. Presented as always by Bet365, Never Ordinary. Today, an ordinary Monday show for you as we are going to talk about. We are halfway through what we've been calling Narrative Week. Really, it's two weeks, but it doesn't matter. We'll call it a week. Branded. Yeah, it was branded. Uh, Narrative Week, and we're halfway through it. So let's check in on some of the storylines because I do feel like this two-week stretch is going to be one of the most important. We're halfway there. What storylines have emerged. We're also going to talk about, you guys, Bruce Brown likely to be traded. And I don't like any of the places he's rumored to be going. Yeah. I don't like any of them. Don't like we're going to talk about that. And then on the back half of the show, we're going to look at Denver Nuggets trade targets. We don't expect them to make any major deals, but maybe a minor one here that is worth looking out for. To help me out, we're going to... Bring on Brendan Vogt. <laughs> Yesterday, I dressed for a dunk hunt, duck hunt to show my range. Today, I'm dressed as a Parisian skateboarder. Is that what that is? Yeah. Or a parkour artist. I don't know. <laughs> you get to choose. It's a different look. That's what I'm getting at. I'll bet you're good at parkour. Not. There's no. no never way. tried. There's never. no way that's true. I'll bet never. he's the best of us on this panel. I could see that. I oh, could see easily. That. Yeah. Easily. You're not going to give him that either? I mean, I need to see it. Do you have some <laughs> unknown uh, parkour skills? Rate us in the chat by who you think is greatest at From parkour. Us? Greatest to worst. Over here, we got D-Line Co. <laughs> What's up, guys? I, I'm just wearing some blue. Just you, blue. Just blue? It's really just all... I love the little pocket there. Though, know. You know? Keep a snack in there. It's so small, you could. And then over there, the man <laughs> with the wind in his hair. Harrison Wind. Fellas, I love talking trends. <laughs> trade talks. This is in. our first of how many uh, trade talk shows that we're going to have for the deadline? 24. 24. Okay, first of 24. <laughs> 23 more to go. And then the Nuggets make no trade. And then it's like, all right, we prepared very well. I for mean, that. I'll just tell you right now, they're not going to make a trade. <laughs> You're going to say that for sure? Tune into the live show. I mean, though. anything's possible. Like, the world could end tomorrow. Oh, That's my a possibility. God. We're going to start, though, rather than do hangover <laughs> takes for like a game that didn't, you know, if you're hungover from that game, like you need to take it easy. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I got drunk off that game. Yeah, that was like a pretty mild mannered game. If you got drunk off that game, man, you got to reevaluate some things. But instead of hangover takes, let's have a hangover hangover takes now for the last five games. Narrative week: the Nuggets have wins over the Pelicans, the Pacers, the Celtics, and the Wizards. They have one loss. That's to the, of course, the Seventy Sixers. Um, the one loss, obviously a huge narrative loss, but I think if you look at that stretch and say four and one, I, first of all, just plain record-wise, that's a pretty good record given those guys. I would say par was probably three and a half, yep. and they ended up getting four, so I think they went above par. I think there's no doubt. I think it would have been a little ambitious to expect both the Philly and the Boston game, and... One of the reasons why I kept using the words responsibility for last night's game was, okay, you almost get the Philly one. That's well and good. Um, but then you go and get the Boston one. It sort of makes you feel better about it. The last thing you can do is just give that game right back. Right? Yeah. That's work undone if you somehow lose to the Wizards. So Pelicans, sneaky good matchup for, for Denver or bad matchup for Denver, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, from the Pelicans' perspective, they might say they match up well. Denver took care of business there. A Pacers team that can catch you sleeping, Denver took care of business. They were in that Philly game. We've got some maybe gimmicky yeah. defense on this panel that we feel like they could have done without. They're still in that game. Then you went in Boston. So I would say that they, 
Like if you're putting a pass fail grade on narrative week, they passed for sure. So far. So far. Yeah, I mean, what else could you... They've lost one of the games. I mean, that would be... Yeah, but it was the big one. Yeah, but it was... I mean, when we first made that list of which ones we wanted, like I... Yeah, this was fourth. Yeah, because I knew they were going to lose it. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what I said. I mean, that was my yeah, rationale. I was, was. like, I, that's like a lot to ask that they go into Philly and win. But rebounding in Boston the way they did, that was, pro- that was one of the best wins that any team has had this year. That's a good point. So, yeah. and like these teams, I mean, the... The Pacers and the Pelicans, those are good teams. Like the, the Nuggets are acing it. I mean, I think this is as best, as, as good as you could possibly expect that they would do. Pacers were a little depleted. All the same. They, and, but they, they smack them. And they they smack the Pelicans, them. too. So those were like good wins, yeah, you know, yeah. blowout wins. When, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, they were one fourth quarter away from being the talk of the NBA. You know? Yeah, you if win. If the yeah. Nuggets beat the 76ers and then beat Boston. And then beat Washington. <laughs> that clearly matters third most among those games. Uh, they're the hottest team in the NBA. And my wish for narrative week probably comes true, which was that the Nuggets are looked at as better than last year's version. That's what I wanted to come out of narrative week with. And if they had beaten Philly, I think that might have been the narrative. Maybe. I think that might have been the question people were asking. Yeah. Are this year's Nuggets better than last year's? Right. Uh, we were a quarter away from that potentially being the narrative. Yeah. Um, you're right. That one would have been huge. You could play this game the other way, though, and say they almost lost to the Celtics. I mean, when you go back and rewatch that game, it doesn't take anything away from Denver because I think that game went the way it was supposed to go. But, you know, Jalen Brown missing some clutch free throws. There were a couple. There was that possession late in the game, if you guys remember, where... Yeah, it was actually that one because I think they offensive rebound the missed free throw and get like two wide open threes and miss both of those. Yeah. So there were all these little bounces that you would say as good as Denver was, there was one or two possessions where they weren't good and Boston didn't capitalize on them. But nonetheless, that's the breaks of the game. And I think there was something to why Boston didn't. To me, it's a success, but not necessarily because of the record. There's a way you could have arrived at that record without it being great. But to me... This was the best five-game stretch we've seen since the opening five-game stretch. And the Nuggets were great in the opening five-game stretch. They looked phenomenal. Since then, it's been a little fragmented. Murray got hurt. Some guys have been up and down. They played well, yep. and they played the way that we kind of needed it, to be honest, because it hasn't come since the first week of the season. We basically went two-plus months where we didn't see the Nuggets look like the reigning champs. They looked good. They had moments. But they didn't look like it. This five-game stretch to me was like, oh, yeah, there it is. That's a team that should be in Tier 1A of whatever you're putting all of the rest of the teams in. And that, to me, is the most important thing as we saw it. Let's look at some numbers. Jokic, over this five-game stretch, is averaging 30.6 points per game on 70% effective field goal shooting. It's actually 70% shooting from the field at large. but That's kind of down from his previous five games. <laughs> I mean, it's only slightly down. because, And it really is because there was one bad game in there. I think he was 11 of 20. What yeah. game was it that he went 11 of 20? Philly. Remember? Oh, was it Philly? So there's that one game. Outside of that, every other game is like 8 of 9, 15 of 20, 14 of 60. So he's actually been ridiculously on fire. And you're right that we're cutting it off at five games. We could cut it off at 12 games because I think that's where the streak has really began. Yeah, he's been incredible. Um, he's really just imposing his will right now. I feel like he's in a, a really like good space. And, I mean, these last two games in particular, I mean, he has been so aggressive. And, look, Nikola Jokic's goal every possession is just to get the best 
shot possible. Um, the best shot possible against the Wizards was just him just posting him up Daniel Gafford every time yeah. and shooting it from one foot away. Uh, the best shot against Boston was sometimes that, but then sometimes an open shot for a teammate when they sent the double team. So um, I feel like he's gradually picking it up a little bit. Uh, you know, he Nikola Jokic started off the year so ridiculous. There, there was no way he was going to try to keep up that pace throughout the entire season. Now I feel like he's picking it up again. And um, I, I like that because then I think, you know, the last month he can shut it down a little bit like he did last year. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Uh, I just think yeah. that's how it's going to go. <laughs> can't wait for that. I, I'm, just, I'm just prepping you for how the last month of the regular season no, is going to go. Think it, I don't know if it will. Okay. Every, it, every season's the same season. Early seasons. No, bad. the Nuggets have been good in the clutch. You were, they've been really good. I mean, in the, as far as Jokic's disposition as it relates to how he approaches the game. Like every season, we have this like period at the beginning where we don't know what's up with Jokic. Is he unhappy? Does he does he want to move on from Denver? And then like then he gets good. <laughs> so we're just we're in the the reengagement portion. And I agree with you uh, on the the biggest point, which is that we saw them. We saw the Nuggets again. Like we saw them. Play and it, it really truly all comes down to Nikola Jokic. I mean, he, the, the team goes as he goes, and when he is uh, not as engaged, they are not as engaged. And I hate that that's the case because you would think that there would yeah. be some pride and there would be some um, guys like Jamal Murray and, and Aaron Gordon and other, you know, veteran leaders of this team would be able to pick up that slack. But I mean, I guess that that is why the heavy weighs the crown. It's just people follow Jokic and I, I hate it, but he's back and it's beautiful. And but that's why I jokingly said last night that the Nuggets could win zero games the rest of the regular season, yeah. and I would still feel confident I, in them winning a championship because we saw it against yeah. Boston. We saw it. But I would disagree that the team goes as Jokic goes because yeah. Denver was 9-3 and three over that stretch where Jokic wasn't playing very well. But they weren't playing good teams. But Denver kept winning, and you knew he only had to give so much. But the point being is, like, when he now is engaged, they look like world beaters. When he was not they as were, engaged, they did not look like the Nuggets. They looked there. like they looked like yeah. a team that was getting by and, and giving the the uh, just about uh, the the amount of effort required to win, but like not dominating. And they they look like good again, which I love. If we look at the advanced stats again, vote Jokic has his second highest PER ever in twenty twenty two. He had a 32.8. He's at 32.0. He has a highest box plus minus of his career at 14.2, uh, which is up 0.5 from his previous high and up 1.2 from last year. His win shares per 48 minutes is up uh, from any time, you know, his highest ever. It doesn't feel like it, but yo, I know. at least in three out of the four main catch-all metrics is having a career year. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of the reason why it doesn't feel like it is that we're numb to it. Yeah, we're a little we're numb. numb to it. And honestly, I don't. It's it's kind of low gear, man. You mm. could pick maybe two, three games where you felt like for him that was pedal to the metal. Yeah. But this stuff is getting so routine, yeah. so routine. And so I don't know if it's that he is better there's something about it, it's that it looks easier than ever yeah and to the point where it almost seems like he's sleepwalking to what is now the standard that got us so crazy in the first place that got him the mvps that got him the best in the world title and now it's just that's a tuesday for him so i think part of it is is that like 
does it feel like he if he needed another gear there's another one i would say yes and so it's almost too easy to take for granted right now the one stat that he that Jokic is having career highs at is offensive rebound he's getting three offensive rebounds a game and if you look yeah, at his juice that a little versus Philly. <laughs> well, if you look at his career arc, the two years where he was down was the two years without Murray. I honestly think that mm -hmm. offensive rebounding, it's a lot of that two man game. It just always compromises you. And one of the way it compromises you is you're out of position to block Jokic out. Like if you do jump off of Murray and Murray shoots it, Yoke's in great position and he's grabbing more. So just something to kind of pay attention to that that is the one number that's jumped up and maybe that's one of the reasons his advanced metrics are so high i don't know other things that have happened in this stretch michael porter jr last five games 48.6 percent from three yeah on seven attempts a game we've been talking about oh his shot is back his shot is back 49 percent. that's big time back back to mpj back back yeah. to best shooters in the world back and not competent shooter not good floor spacer but truly elite and i think that's what we've been expecting not to run away from the point you just made so quickly i the mid-range shooting is really interesting mm. to me it's it feels like he hasn't missed a long two in a month um I, in like the 15 to 19 foot range per nba.com he's shooting like 54 percent now yeah and he can, and it looks like he's trying to get to that shot. The angle he takes on the DHOs, uh, the way he attacked a, a pick and roll with Zeke setting the screen, he was looking like one dribble pull up from just inside the line. Guys are not contesting that, like because they can't, and it's not touching the rim right now. So, I would say all around, just the shot Porter shot to me is back to elite status. And I think D line has used the words, but he's been he's been consistent now for. Uh, a pretty sizable stretch with the large exception of the utah game to give you some numbers on this just real quick he's from 16 to, to feet to the three-point line which is a long mid-range there's short mid-range and long mid-range he took 10.7 percent of his shots from there 10.2 and then 10.9 in his career so between 10 and 11. this year he's at 13.2 and he's shooting 55 percent which is the highest of his career by a a good margin by basically two percent three percent so he's taking more and making more from that spot i don't know if it's intentional but i mean he is on fire from there i think it's very intentional one of the storylines of this season is michael porter jr becoming a more complete offensive player i think it's been very intentional from him to kind of say to the world i'm not just a standstill mm. three-point shooter yeah i have an off the dribble game i can get to the mid-range I can get all the way to the rim. Yeah. I view him so much differently as just an offensive player now than I did even at the start of the season. I mean, he's obviously putting the work on this stuff. And, I mean, now he just has such a more versatile offensive game. It's a great point, man. Yeah. And to me, it's like, it just feels like this is a season where he has his health to this oh, yeah. point. Like, he's just been able, you know, like, that. that's always the setback, obviously. It's that. Michael Porter Jr. comes in like we can't be more excited about him. It's so tantalizing. The, the skill is obvious. The shot is beautiful. And then there's one thing or another that kind of holds you back. And just I feel like feeling good is allowing him to just do more, you know, like not. I feel like at times, you know, like the fact that he's 6'10", almost seven feet tall, was something that he couldn't even take advantage of because he didn't want to go inside and bang. He wasn't rebounding like he is this year. Um, 
so it's it's great to see. I mean, you just see the strength coming back, and like apparently he's you know more comfortable playing with the drop foot brace and the drop foot itself. It's um, he's adapting to it, and it's it's amazing. I'm very hopeful for. We just did a roundtable. The diehards, by the way, become a DNVR diehard. It uh, it really is not just a great way to support us, but we do these roundtables every week. And one of the things we talked about was. Uh, you know, like, who are you buying stock in and this or that? I think you could make the case that Michael Porter, I'm very excited for his next 15 games because he is just like, it feels like the line is pointing up and he's already playing at a really high level. But I'm curious to see, like, does this hot shooting expand even in the games to come? I think it's possible. And then lastly, Jamal Murray, 23.2 points per game, 7.8 assists. But more to the point, I don't think he has been as consistent as I would personally like to see him be. And that Sixers game, it was a lot about his performance, and we talked a lot about it. But eight assists per game, and he had he's had some moments where he's reached that ceiling. Like, we hadn't seen the Murray ceiling in a while, and we obviously saw it in a big way in Boston. Um, and then eight assists per game is, you know, moving the ball around. Yeah, the, assi- the assists for me are... It's a, just another indicator at the fact that he also is taking a step forward, even if his offensive game from a shooting standpoint, isn't always as consistent as you want it. He's just a guy that need, he needs to feel that burn. I don't know what it is. There, there are people like this that require outside motivation to like get them to that place. They're usually rock climbers. Yeah, something. It's like, you know, like, I mean, I, you know, generally they're, they're like procrastinators. They're guys yeah. that like you don't work on the term paper until you feel the burn because it's the night before. And then you're inc- <laughs> and then you turn in an yeah. A plus yeah. for whatever reason. The psychology of Jamal Murray seems to be this like he unless he's feeling that like burn and pressure. It's like you don't know what you're going to get. It could be great. But the good thing is that when he does feel it, he steps up like almost nobody else on this team. Do you think like him doing push-ups in the snow has made it so that he is now bad at doing push-ups <laughs> unless there's snow? Unless there's it's snow. It's possible. Like, like I have to have the snow now. Yeah, the ground's kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of easy. It's not doing right. that. He just needs his dad screaming in his <laughs> ear, otherwise he can't perform. I don't know what the deal is. It's weird, but some people are like this. Yeah. Um, let's take a break. I have one more take on something that I've seen from the Nuggets over the last five games, but we're a little late for our first break, so we'll wrap up this segment on the other side before getting to Bruce Brown destinations. Oh, boy. Before we give away Bruce Brown to our biggest enemies. Every, anyone in the NBA. <laughs> Guys, the best place to get new flooring, it's Empire Today. Uh, their philosophy at Empire Today, they're going to help you find what you need. They're not going to overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. You go to them, you want to get new floors, they'll walk you through the entire process. They'll make it super, super easy for you. They have this awesome virtual floor designer, a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. It's super easy to use. And these guys are masters at what they do. Uh, They've been in the floor business forever. They're the best around. If you have any needs for flooring, home, business, whatever it might be, check out Empire today. You can schedule a free in-home estimate for $350 off. You get that discount when you use promo code DNVR. You go to empiretoday.com slash DNVR. $350 off your floor. It's a huge discount. That's a lot of money you can save with Empire. Call them up. If you got questions, if you're thinking about putting new floors in, don't hesitate. Give them a call today. Go to their website. Schedule that free in-home estimate. 
they'll make the process super easy for you. They're so knowledgeable at what they do. EmpireToday.com slash DNVR. Get $350 off your flooring. That's no ordinary deal. That's no ordinary flooring. We don't like to do ordinary here at DNVR, and that's why we partner with Bet365, where it's never ordinary. Right now, if you sign up with code DNVR365, and you place a $10 deposit, uh, you can stack a screenshot of your active Bet365 account and minimum $10 deposit and set it to promo at the dnvr.com. So many great ways to uh, to hang out and play with Bet365, the pioneers of live betting. Right now, uh, keep in mind that there's other sign-up bonuses as well. You use code DNVR365 to sign up. You can choose between a bet and get offer, place a bet of $5 or more and get 150 in bonus bets, or a first bet safety net offer by placing a bet up to $2,000. And if your qualifying bet loses, you receive a matched refund in bonus Bets, you have to be 21 or older and physically located in our great state of Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, back here, real quick, I just saw a note come across my timeline here from Ben Cafardo, who is ESPN Communications. Ooh. Oh, yeah. The most watched game, NBA game, on ESPN. Oh, boy. In the month of January, okay, on a, week on a, week, on a weeknight, okay, okay. Keep in <laughs> over four years, <laughs> Nugget Celtics. Wow. Really? So, so not a weekend game on ESPN specifically. <laughs> That's not that many caveats, but nonetheless, here's my take. The Nuggets have shown up a lot in these, and usually it's Nuggets versus Warriors, Nuggets versus Lakers, Nuggets versus Celtics. I don't know if the Nuggets draw on in and of themselves is enough. But it sure seems like they are the amplifier. Yeah. That if you have one of those marquee teams and then yoke there, then or yoke in the Nuggets there, then they make it. So some, I mean, it's not nothing, but it's also, I it's, don't know. it's something. That's absolutely something. They're the, they are the NBA champs. People want to see how the 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 top squads match up against the actual top squad. Yeah, um, that's cool. I mean, like it's just like another argument against the non-marketability of Nikola Jokic. I actually think that Jokic is so much more popular than everyone thinks. And this is stemming from the way everybody talked about watching him specifically in the playoffs. Everyone was like, man, this guy's so fun. But Pat McAfee, guys that aren't watching the right. NBA, and they're like, how come nobody told me this guy was so amazing? So I think there is this sneaky... He maybe doesn't show up in all of the Twitter metrics that, for whatever reason, the NBA likes. But I think that the, there's an actual audience. I, I don't know, maybe. Do you think wind? Definitely. Absolutely, man. I mean, absolutely. Like, how could you not? I think what the NBA is going to realize is just the the more they put him on, the more they'll realize it. <laughs> yeah. And Maybe then in like it. a couple years, they'll be like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. This guy is this guy wait. popular? Wait. Um, Jokic? <laughs> getting back to the Nuggets, though, over the stretch, real quick, just to tie a bow on it. Another thing we, I think, have learned is that one, Peyton Watson definitively now ahead of Christian Brown. It's probably been that way for, I don't know, six, seven weeks. M you know, most of the year, but really the last six, seven weeks it's been the way. But it's now that it's happened in important games, not just through like random games. You see that, okay, yeah, he clearly is higher on the trust rankings than a Christian Brown. And if you look at the numbers, do you know, who would you guys guess? I'm going to throw this out there. Who do you think has the best net rating over the last five games on the team? Or team? Nuggets have the best rating with them on the court. I mean, I'll Yoke, give you each Jokic? one guess. You guessed Jokic. I'll, I'll That's guess, a solid I'll guess, guess and he's wrong. Okay. <laughs> How do I get weird? Um, 
<laughs> is it Christian? Is it Peyton? It's, I love that you go Christian. No, it, there's it's, no way. It's is it I know. Reggie Jackson? It's Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Reggie Jackson is plus thirteen point nine somehow over these last five games. I think it's that. Wow. Did, didn't play a lot in the one loss. I think that's where this comes down Maybe, to. Maybe, yeah. The, the 76ers game was the one, and uh. everybody that played in that one lot had negatives. But nonetheless, him and P-Watt are both a positive over this last five games. Everybody else off the bench, a slight negative, or to a large negative, for example, Zeke Naji. But everybody else um, up positive, which is just kind of interesting. I think that's something we've learned, is that the Nuggets trust seven guys. They want to trust eight. They want to get to one more guy, and they're unfortunately not quite there yet. But I think they have more. Tr- I would say this: Michael Malone and myself personally have more trust in the top seven guys than we I expected coming into the year. I am surprised that there is not an eighth guy that's in the trust because I thought that Christian or Zeke would be that coming into the year. But I think that the top seven have surprised me. Um, all right, Bruce Brown, you guys. Brucey e. B is one of the hottest names in all of trade disca- discussions. I don't know if you know. He's this. one of the hottest guys. He's really one of the hottest guys. Everybody wants him. Everybody <laughs> wants Brucey e. B. We're talking about the same thing. <laughs> I'm gonna just throw out some teams here. Sixers. No thanks. Lakers. No thanks. Celtics. No thanks. Bucks. Jeez. No thanks. Thunder. Rather not. Mavs. No thanks. Clippers. Ugh. Knicks. Ugh. All <laughs> have had rumors oh, of Bruce. Man. And then there's some teams I'm going to throw out that just make sense if they were to throw their hat in the ring, which I don't think they will, but it would make sense. Pelicans, Heat, Thunder, and even Suns, to me, all there is reason to make an argument for, hey, they could all actually add him if they were so inclined to. There haven't been really reports. But all those teams I just mentioned... Our <sighs> deepest enemies. It's yeah. literally any contender in the NBA yeah. is our enemy. That's true. <laughs> um, but Ugh. let's just start here. Sixers getting Bruce. Number one, it's just we love Bruce. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to hate him. Yeah. But I would have to. Yep. I honestly would have to if he went to Philadelphia. I wouldn't hate him. I'd be disappointed, but I wouldn't hate him. You would learn to hate him, though. Wait to that thing. playoff no, series. No, I don't think I'd hate him. I don't think I could possibly hate Bruce Brown. This is how this. There's a thin line between something called love and hate, and you don't learn it until uh, he starts barking at your bench after burying a big three and like fourteenth time he stripped Mike in <laughs> ten minutes. And you're like, I won't hate God, him. son of a. This is like, yeah, you, you know, I could never hate my best friend. Yeah. Then you find out he's sleeping with your ex-wife, and now it's like, what? <laughs> That would be the scenario. Yeah. Then you hate your best friend. Uh, it's Sixers uh, is a good fit, though. God, the, it's a really good fit. Every team is a good fit for Bruce Brown. He, yeah. pl- he does Sixers so many things. Sixers maybe more so, though, because I, I think the Sixers are one guy shy. I mean, honestly, their roster has a lot of good players. I think they're one guy shy. And Bruce, like you have your big two, right? It's Embiid and Maxi. Outside of that, Bruce would have as much sort of like on any given night would f- scare you as much to me as an Ubre or a uh, Tobias Harris or any of those other guys. Like I'm as afraid of Bruce going off or making impact plays as I am those guys. Yeah. Probably impact plays for me than going off, but kind of neither here nor there. I, it's, I, I mean, I know it's, this might seem like I'm weighing this one specific thing so heavily, but I can't stop picturing him blocking Kevin Durant, like just him, Finding a moment to know a tendency and make a play that only he could make because he was that combination of determined, annoying, and smart enough. And I could see him making those plays against Denver. And I was, I'm joking, but like, 
could you see him stripping Mike in a huge play because he guessed which hand well, Mike was that, going that to? Yeah, I can yeah, see a lot of that. And by guess, I mean lock it in, right? Blocking KD would be like blocking the Sambor shuffle, though. You imagine Yoke taking a sambor and Bruce I mean, somehow yeah. coming and like yeah. blocking he's it. Like, I know coming. that move. He's like, oh, yeah. he's on the baseline. He comes. He all definitely the way blocked around. it from behind or something. Yeah. 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 Um, the Celtics, who Denver just played, I actually, you know, they played Peyton Pritchard. You know, in that game, one of the things I didn't catch live but caught on the rewatches, Peyton Pritchard only played, I believe, the non-Jokic minutes. It was like they have their group of guys that they're like, well, we can't do this when Yoke's out there because it's we got to keep pace. But Bruce Brown could replace Peyton Pritchard doing all the Peyton Pritchard stuff, but not a guy that you're afraid of in any way. Yeah, he, I wonder if there's enough minutes available for him, though, if he's in the Peyton Pritchard role on the Celtics. That's like a 10-minute-a-night role. He would be, I think, that of all the teams, he would have an important role there, but it would be the smallest of roles. Yeah, because if I'm Bruce, like I want to go to a place where I'm closing, and I don't know if he's closing in Boston. Yeah, but he doesn't really get a choice, you know? No. He probably gets a little bit of a choice. I don't know. Why? Because you think Toronto you, owes him anything? No, but I mean, that's just kind of how it works. You get a little bit of a, a choice. Like, nobody's going to want to... You don't want to trade for Bruce Brown if he doesn't want to go there. I don't, I think Bruce Brown forfeited any leverage he has in those types of things by taking such a massive deal. I just think that's kind of how the NBA works. But I, I mean, again, if you're sending him to a bad team, I think it works like... It maybe works like that. Yeah. But I think if you're Toronto... You don't know this guy. You don't really owe him anything. And you're like, we're going to take the best we can get. And if you're Boston, you probably look at it and go, he probably wants eight more minutes or six more minutes than we can offer him. But you know what he's not going to do? Come here and not play. Right. And also he's from Boston. I was going to say he's from there. So there's probably an added little element that's, that he would enjoy. Plus, it'd be hilarious to see him dressed like a cowboy in Boston. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah. It would be uh, heartbreaking, though. And then again, like, I don't want Brucey e. B. I don't want to see him yeah. in the finals, man. No. And yeah. So and then you have the Bucks. I actually think of all of these, the Bucks makes a lot of sense to me. They do not have a closing two. It's Malik Beasley. If you ask me, yeah. Malik Beasley is shooting the leather off the ball this year, except for in fourth quarters of close games. But he's shooting <laughs> the leather off the ball. And if you told me who gets a wide open three pointer in the clutch, who do you, would you be more afraid of taking it? Malik Beasley or Bruce Brown? It's Bruce Brown. Through quarters one through three and a half, Malik Beasley, no question. Through quarter four, it's Bruce, and on top of that, there's no contest in the level of defender there. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's Dame next to Malik Beasley. How do you close in the playoffs? How do you close? Right. I mean, playing guys like Tyrese Maxey. How do you close? Uh, you don't unless you have Bruce Brown, I think. So this is, I actually think, you could argue Philly because this year's so important to them and they seem close, but because of the dynamic we just described, I, uh, I kind of think Milwaukee's the team that can't miss out on this. Like, if I'm a Bucks fan, I'm like, mm. we got to get him. We have to be the team that gets him and not this other, not those other. Not guys. a lot of rumors about the Bucks in pursuit, though, interestingly no, I, enough. I, no. So I don't know why. To me, they should be. That's their one question mark is that spot. Yeah. Like, positionally, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, man. <laughs> there's so much. There's been so much uh, movement on the big front parts of these big teams in the east this year it'd be crazy to have another seismic move like this but i, I mean it's probably going to happen i mean i god i would hate for him to go to milwaukee i mean i i think i feel better about him going to the east than to the west but i don't feel i mean i feel terrible about all of these options yeah these are terrible options it's kind of uh, um this is how the nba works now though i i feel is that all these teams load up on players and a team like toronto 
they load up on players, and then they're like, everyone's going to want what we have. Yep. And sure enough, here they are, and everybody wanted OG, and everybody wanted Siakam, and now everybody wants Bruce, and it's like yep. they're the bell of the ball come trade season. Um, the Lakers have been linked to Bruce. This one, they obviously wanted them over the summer. This is the one where I just think the Lakers aren't quite good enough yeah, I, for me to be afraid of. But here's the thing. Bruce knows Denver really well, and I just don't want him going to a LeBron James-led team. I don't want them to have any edge over Denver at all, and I feel like he gives them way more of an edge than what they would have without him. So I would hate Bruce if he went to the Lakers. <laughs> what? There we go. There that, 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 that's the team I can't have him go to. This is actually... I kind of hope that... Like, if I'm Toronto, I probably want to make a deal with the Lakers because there's draft picks involved and you're yeah. likely to get a better draft pick from the Lakers than you are these other squads. And I don't think it would move the needle for them enough. Like, I don't think it would do much for them. It's just like they feel like they have to make a move because they are so yeah. stagnant at this point. But I don't know that that is something that would benefit them in a way that it would be meaningful. So I kind of hope, I mean, I would feel oddly the best about that move. It depends on if they trade like D'Angelo Russell for him because that's they they have an anchor yeah. and Bruce would be like okay now you can play Reeves and Bruce together in a cloning line yeah. closing lineup they both shoot the three well yeah. and you have at least one defender on the court so to me it does, I, again I'm with you that I think they're so far away but nonetheless that would be a clear win for the Lakers and I just don't want them to have it, a win they're gonna get some kind I mean the, the Lakers are in such a terrible state like. Making any move for them at this point would be a win, I feel like, just because they just the combination of players they have right now like don't make sense. They the Lakers never get Bruce Brown type players though. No. They always go for the glamour well, ones and like you need Bruce's. The closest is yeah. Austin Reeves. I mean, just like a gritty I mean, he's obviously Bruce Brown. I realize it's sacrilege to put he just two together. It's just No, I'm saying the thing about Austin Reeves is he's an offensive player. That's my but point. He's gritty, you know. In, in a I mean, I listen. I I understand. He's gritty defensively? I understand the the words that I'm saying and how, as you compare them to Bruce Brown, it doesn't, <laughs> but like in the context of the Lakers, like he has like a little bit to him. Grit? I mean, like he's a little like he's a little bit of a pest. He, he's got a little attitude. I mean, but I mean, Mike Bruce Brown a million times better in every way. Um, some other teams here that are linked to him: the Dallas Mavericks. Does this do anything for you guys? The Mavericks to me are they're like, not good enough either. Yeah, but if you talk about what is the formula for that team, it is clearly playmakers behind Luka and, and Kyrie, guys that can shoot, and then hopefully you're not a, an anchor on defense. I actually think stylistically he fits the best on a Dallas-type team. But again, as the question is, is that enough? I just, again, the Mavs right now to me, I'm like, Denver plays them five games. I, I feel good about it. If they got Bruce, that jumps up to like, all right, six games, and now – you're one loss away from out going seven or whatever. So to me, it actually would be a meaningful move if they were able to pull it off. He's a great fit with Luca. Great fit. Uh, I mean, you're a little small though when you got him and Kyrie in there though. You're so spread out though that it's also either you're fast. He's Bruce is so good at attacking a hard closeout. Yeah, and that's all they do is create hard closeout scenarios. Yeah. You like that one at all? Or hate that one at all? I like it as a spot for Bruce that I think Bruce would be happy in, play in, compete in, and then I don't have to think about Bruce ever yeah. again in a good yeah. in the good way, <laughs> yeah, not worry exactly. about him. Rather, plus he has the wardrobe. That's it. The hallway walk fits are <laughs> yeah, already lined really up. You just there. slide it yeah, over. Yeah, like Bruce 
it was proven last year, like the best role for Bruce is your sixth man that slots in to be a lockdown defender in the biggest moments. But like if you're looking at Bruce to be like your third or fourth best guy, that means your team is not good enough. You yeah. Know? Like the Nuggets were so solid through five that you have a luxury like Bruce <sighs> Brown coming off the bench. Yeah. And then, you know, in moments where you're like you don't want to have to rely on MPJ to be you know, your defensive stalwart, you can slot him in, but you still have enough offense coming from other places. It's Bruce is like kind of a luxury as a player. Like you just don't, you know, like a team like the I, Lakers, yeah. there's teams that need to climb still. And I, I don't know if it's sort, sort of like the Celtics in that, in that way. And the 76ers, I, I, I'm not going to complete the sentence. The Dallas, if Dallas beats you in a playoffs, odds are they shot, they had a couple of really outlier shooting games. And I just think Bruce ups their odds of that happening. Because he's Maybe. another guy that can hit his open threes in a game where they just generated the right amount of kickouts and guys hit him. So that's why it scares me. I think the Knicks is an area. The Knicks is a. I don't feel anything about the Knicks. I know. That's I, like the one team that I'm just like, oh, cool the, fit. That's a good fit. The, I don't care. They need Bruce Browns, though. Like, I. They were they were briefly linked to to Dejounte Murray, who in terms of just talent, that's a Knicks move. In terms man. of just talent, very different caliber player, but also is he a winner? And no, like, that's a Knicks. Can move. you afford to recondition a guy to becoming a winner when you already have Julius Randle on your team? Like they need they need dogs, and not to use the word. Everyone. <laughs> he should go to the Heat then. He's oh, a Heat culture guy. He is a total Heat culture. But I'm just saying, like the Knicks need guys who just come in and do winning shit constantly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, the Clippers are also rumored. I don't know how the Clippers always have trade capital, but somehow they do. Dude, I, that would be a really lame place for him to go to, just because it's like. And he would same with the Celtics. What would his role be on that team? Like a bit player. They already have. He'd Westbrook. probably have to play power forward again. <laughs> so true. He'd love that, dude. <laughs> He's yeah. So I don't know. All right, it's time for a bet three six five. Never ordinary. Top five Top worst five. spots. Uh, we just talked about a lot of these spots. This is a, this is actually a bottom five. This is a bottom five. <laughs> Top five. Worst places Bruce could land up. Number so wait, five. Number one is the worst. Is place. the worst okay. one. Number five is the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't at the moment think about the Bucks as much as I think of the 76ers and Celtics for some reason. It's because we haven't played them yet. Because we haven't really. Uh, we don't. We have, haven't sized them up. Yeah, it's coming though next Monday. But Milwaukee Bucks, he would fit really well there. It's just any Eastern Conference team. Are you going to see him in the finals? I would say that he would fit in well there. But there's another thing about Bruce to me as a winner. And I do question some of... Is there a winning culture in Milwaukee right now? I don't know. I'm a little skeptical, and I wonder if Bruce would go there and just be like, oh, you want me to never touch the ball and be over here in the corner, and like this is how you want to use me and stuff? Like, yeah, I think he would be a little like, you guys play dumb basketball, and I'm smart basketball, and <laughs> you're getting the worst out of me. I think there could be a little of that. Uh, this feels like we just don't really don't want him to go there. <laughs> the Bucks? No, I'm serious, though, about the Bucks. Like The Bucks play a style that I think kind of sucks to play, and I think it would suck to be Middleton in that system. Yeah, You're just watching Dame and Giannis go all the time. Yep. Uh, Boston Celtics is number four. This one, in part, just because it's such a good fit, they're already so good, and I don't want him to go That's to Boston. I mean, he then, would be better than Peyton Pritchard. That would way really, better. That would really sting. The other thing is, is Bruce. Don't you guys feel like he's a Denver guy? Don't you feel like he came well, here and loved it? I mean, I know it's a lot of. You always say it's a lot of. Uh, you know, he's just playing to the crowd but here not, a little bit. Not every pander is entirely disingenuous. I think there's a lot of genuine there. Yeah. But the Celtics is home. 
<laughs> and it would suck for him to be even more into being a yeah. self If he just like nugget. starts walking the aisle like dressed like a little leprechaun. He's got a Red Sox tattoo already. <laughs> is that what you do in Boston? Not to step on Wind's corner here, but yeah, this full panda just walk around. There's just leprechauns. Yeah, he just has like a green derby. We're like, oh, Bruce. <laughs> oh, that would be tough. Uh, number three, the Lakers. I'm surprised it's not number one, but I just couldn't do the narrative on these other two or too high. But if he goes to the Lakers, Bruce, I'll tell you this. I think deep down Bruce would hate to go to the Lakers. I think deep down he'd he'd be like, God dang it, man, I'm not a Laker. But do you think any part of him would love to be traded for D'Angelo Russell? Oh, man, the <laughs> ultimate lockdown. I feel like he'd kind of <laughs> love that. That might save it for him, but he's from Boston. I wonder if he just hates the Lakers in general. And then also, he's not Hollywood. He's like definitively anti-Hollywood. And to get to send to that team, he, the same things I said about um, you know him playing with the Bucks would be especially true playing with that team where he's like, oh, okay, I got to go stand in the corner while LeBron and AD do their things. Yeah. Um, number two, I don't think it's even likely, you guys. Whoa. Tim Conley could pull a real in-your-head kind of move if he wanted to here. I don't think you can get this deal done without, like, being really creative, by the way. I was trying to look around it. They'd probably have to trade towns. Right? It was. I, I was looking at, like, a, you'd have to almost do a towns trade and move some pieces around, which, Just again, to, don't ever count it out. They are the number one seed right now. They're not doing that as a, num- I as a number one I don't think they are either, seed. but if I was evil Tim Conley, <laughs> if I wasn't just regular Tim Conley but the evil version... Tell me you wouldn't, if that happened, if somehow a deal went down and Bruce was there and Tim Conley's doing the, like, this was the final piece for us, you'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah, that would suck. Tim and Bruce and Chris Finch. First off, Tim's definitely going to get Bones Highland. Yeah, maybe. But Bruce is almost scarier to me than Bones Highland. Bruce, no, I know. I, Bruce would make for a really nice one, two, three, four, five if you end up going, you know, I would just, I would be afraid of it. And then number one, everybody knows what it is. It's the 76ers. I cannot have Bruce go to the other side of the Jokic and Bede war. I feel like this is a terrible jinx, this list. <laughs> the jinx list? Because it's going to happen? I just feel like we're putting something into the universe that we shouldn't be. It's not nearly as bad a jinx as the short that I'm working on right now. Oh, I almost don't want to make it. <laughs> Let us know in the comments what your top five worst Bruce Landing zones are. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, we'll get to some Nuggets trades. Guys, if you're in northeastern Colorado, check out High Plains Strains. They have three locations in northeastern Colorado. Log Lane Village, Garden City, Sedgwick. They are the dispensary for you if you're in that area. You can save time by ordering ahead online at highplainstrains.com. You can pick up at their location, and they've got drive-thrus at all three of their locations. Let's go. You don't even have to leave your car to get hooked up with High Plains Strands. Again, locations in northeastern Colorado, Log Lane Village, Garden City, Sedgwick. When you go there, use the code DNVR. Shout DNVR right when you drive up in the drive-thru. As loud as possible. Just yell DNVR. Take advantage of some awesome deals. $45 half ounce flour. Uh, exquisite extracts for, for 40 bucks. Mammoth 1G cartridges for 15 bucks. Bunch of other deals as well. Uh, check out High Plain Strains, Northeastern Colorado. They are the dispensary for you. And this is the uh, recreate responsibly read. We'll go from, from, from those homies to Breckenridge Brewery. If beer's more your fancy or if both is your fancy, 
Check out Breck Brew. They've got the beer of the month right now, which is the Christmas Ale. It's only six bucks at the DNVR bar. They have Avalanche Amber Ales. They have Mile High City Coppelagas. They have Broncos Country Pale Ales. Fun Slingers. They're hard seltzers. They're called Good Company. Fun Slinger, the unofficial beer of Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, yeah, the dude, fun slinger. Throwing... Dude, he had a fun slinger the other day. Slinger. <laughs> Slung it right over at his head. Two in three games. Oh, man. It's you so can, fun. You can try all the delicious Breck Brews at the DNVR bar in the corner of York and Colfax or go to the Breckbrew.com beer locator. Tell it where you are. Tell it what beer you want. It'll tell you where to go next. I love that thing, man. I love it, too. All right. Back here. Let's talk about some trades. Wind, you assembled a list of potential <sighs> trades. If Denver were to make a deal, all of us doubt that it would be something crazy. I mean, they're coming off a championship. Their starting five is incredible. You trade one of those. Calvin Booth, my God. That yeah, would be there's insane. no way that's happening. So maybe a small trade. We've talked about Project Dynasty. Would they trade one of those pieces? We kind of doubt that they would, but maybe that one to me would be less of a shock. But maybe there's a littler, tinier deal to be had. And that's kind of the list you assembled. Tiny deals. Yes. Tiny, tiny, tiny deals. Very small deals. Um, would they move the needle? Probably not. But Some of these would. Um, yeah. What do I have here? Start with guards. 20-something names. Uh, the first guard on my list is Alex Caruso, who might be the bell of the ball of the trade deadline after Bruce Brown, if the Bulls let him go. Man, I, would I rather have Caruso than Bruce? I think I would. Oh, man. Caruso I, I, wish, was, I wish Dev was here to just laugh maniacally at this. <laughs> Why? Because he's... Uh, no, no reason. We're always talking about Alex Caruso. He finds it hilarious. Dude, he is... Caruso is maybe the best pick-and-roll defender, ball, on-ball defender in the entire NBA. I would yeah. take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, me too. Uh, next on my list, it cost you Reggie, by the way, and probably some other. I mean, obviously, Christian and a pick. Yeah, it cost you like a lot. But that's the one guy that I'd look at and be like, you know what? I, I don't know. It's good. Oh, he's amazing. Uh, Delon Wright made my list. Delon Wright. We just played him last night. Basketball Nuggets Twitter. He was actually player. a positive in the game last night. <laughs> was he really? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Really stuck out. Yeah. <laughs> also on my list, you want a shooter? <laughs> this is the funniest. Patty thing. Mills, he's what? available. You know what team he's on? D line. Uh, the Partizan? Hawks. Oh, <laughs> Partizan. <laughs> he really is on the Hawks. I didn't realize he was still in the NBA. That's unbelievable. Yeah. He's actually he traded like a Jalen Pickett well for three. a Patty Mills. No. You? Oh, I'm, I'm saying that's what. What would it cost to get Patty Mills? A second rounder or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Jalen Pickett. Uh, also on my list, a guy who's been asking out of Philadelphia for years, Furkan Korkmaz, another shooter. <laughs> Man. Dude, that guy's been on the trading block since the day his rights arrived in the NBA. He's asked for a trade every year. Darren Morey <laughs> won't give him one. Is he meaningfully, <laughs> like, I mean, I guess he is better than Justin Holiday. But what, what are you giving up for Furkan Korkmaz? I, I, don't, I probably would rather Justin Holiday. Huh? I probably would rather <laughs> Justin Holiday. All right. Uh, last two guards on my list. Lonnie Walker, little microwave scoring option. Okay. And ESPN analyst Austin Rivers. <laughs> Did you have a trade on here? <laughs> you have to trade Austin with ESPN. We'll trade ESPN. We'll trade ESPN uh, Vlaco. Or we'll just like give up He's one of our nationally televised games. Yeah. 
Uh, well, so those Austin, are my guards. In all sincerity, what would Austin Rivers doesn't really give you anything that you don't already have. He's not playing over. Like, as bad as Christian has been, are you really going with Austin Rivers over Christian Brown? Christian Brown... You're you better you're way better betting on Christian getting it together in February and March than you are trading for Austin Rivers and expecting him I to surpass agree. that. Lonnie Walker, again, that move is so small. And the other thing about Lonnie Walker is I actually think he would be okay with Jokic in a regular season. You're not playing him in a playoffs with Jokic, which means maybe that at best he's staggered. And I think Lonnie Walker is the exact type of player that would come to Denver and be significantly worse I could than he that. already is I could by playing with Denver's bench. Yeah, Because you're not running plays for him. You're probably not generating open shots for him. So he's just catching grenades, and he's so frustrating at that. And that's why Patty Mills actually kind of intrigues me. So Patty Mills, of all that <laughs> list, is a guy that you look at and say, hey, man, maybe he's just it's just nice to have that option. I mean, he's a guy who can just... Fire up threes. Was that an inspiring list? Yeah, I'm uninspired. I'm uninspired. I would do Caruso. I just think he's such a good defensive player. Yeah. That you're probably, you're a better team if he's on your roster. Um, But it would probably take a Christian. I think Harrison would personally kill me for co-signing this, for signing off on this. But Caruso's probably the only guy that I say, all right, that makes you better, and I don't really have to do mental gymnastics to get there. Um, I mean, you could say that with Lonnie, too, but I also like your point. Like, there are some guys where are they going to score 13 points a game off Denver's bench? I don't know. So the thing about Caruso is that I know somewhere in the 1-8 through eight in the postseason he's helpful. Is it a little redundant? Maybe. But somewhere in there he's a guy that can play for you in the playoffs, and you're better for it. But the rest of the list, to me, not moving me. Caruso would play so much in a playoffs. I mean, Caruso's yeah. an all-NBA defender. Yeah. yeah. Caruso would play a lot in the playoffs. He's playing 25 minutes plus for you in the playoffs. D-line, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your confidence level that Christian Brown is going to r- bounce back from where he is right now by the end of the year? End I, of the regular season. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I really, I, I was saying it last night, I really get nervous when I stop seeing progression. It's It's not that often that you see somebody progress, stop, and then pick up progression again down the line. Like, I'm nervous that he has plateaued. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. But it's obviously way too early to make that definitive call. He possesses a lot of just natural doggedness. Yeah. Like a lot of, and he also showed us last year that he's, in big moments, can be really unflappable, which is another thing that you can't really teach. So, he looks kind of flappable at the moment. That's what I mean. That yeah. he, he has it in him. We have seen it. There's clear. He clearly is feeling uncomfortable with his role or not knowing exactly what it is he's supposed to be doing. The, I mean, the second unit in general is just so different and weird night to night. It's never really clear what anybody's role is. If they're just watch, sitting around and watching Reggie hit shots, it's, you know, a lot of times Christian will catch the ball and you just see him, like, trying to figure out, like, should I drive? Should I pass? Should I? Mm-hmm. And you can watch the wheels turning, which yeah. is not, that's not a good place to be. So I'm not, I'm not out on Christian by any stretch, but I, I don't feel as confident as I did coming into this year. That's for sure. You know, an interesting one wind is that Herb Jones is now in reports and rumors about, Hey, the Pelicans are willing to part with Herb Jones, who two years ago was the talk of the NBA as like the best defender and this or that. And he, you know what? Nothing's changed. He's still one of the best defenders in all the NBA. What 
also hasn't changed was people looked at Herb Jones and were like, there's an offensive player in there to be mined. Two years later, no, there's not. He's right. just a great defensive player, and offensively he is what he is. And he goes from one of the most valuable role players in the NBA to already on the trade deadline because they have Dyson Daniels and Trey Murphy, guys I love. But it's like you wouldn't have seen that coming. And I do wonder if there's a little Christian Brown. That, that, that's the fate that he has to avoid of, man, that guy's such a good defender. And on offense, if he can just learn to dribble, dribble it's like, well, yeah, but that part's not a given, man, that he just learns how to do any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. You agree. All right. <laughs> there we go. That's the that's the fear for uh, for a Christian Brown. But again, I do think it's too early, and I would be surprised if Calvin made that move. But I will say this: What are the defining moves of the Calvin Booth era? They're all they're all draft moves. Yeah, that would I would say, I would agree. There's some of that there. The, so that those are defining the biggest. I mean, the biggest trade we had was was done KCP. by uh, Yeah, that's true. That that was an off season move. In season, I I'm. Curious to still see like what, how much of a gunslinger. That's what I'm. Calvin that's what I'm is. Like, at. I don't. Yeah. He he's not really shown himself to be that. He's shown himself to be like he likes guys. Like he sees guys he likes. He um, he's like the he's a. If you have a fantasy football draft, he's like the sleeper guy. He's like the mm. guy that has like the one guy nobody else sees. Yeah, seeing. He's not going off the ESPN top one hundred. Yeah, like consensus. Peyton Watson, like a lot of these, you know. Uh, Jalen Pickett, a lot of these guys that maybe weren't even on people's radars that he drafted even higher that to this point have, for the most part, shown to be good picks. But we don't we haven't seen if he has this like sort of like gunslingery, wild want to make a move or will, you know, because different GMs obviously have different personalities with how they how they manage their team. I'm really curious. I would like I would like to see some movement. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't think that that's part of the way that uh, Calvin Booth looks at it. I don't think he feels compelled as though he has to make a move. Like the, the, the facts that he, you know, the, the trades he made are unloading Bones Highland for two second round picks, getting well, KCP. But you're missing the more important part of that trade, if you ask me, which it was indirectly part of it. But getting Reggie Jackson and then giving him the big deal. When there were players like Seth Curry available, this, yeah. and I'll say another trade of him. But that wasn't Cal a trade. That was Reggie Jackson was just picked up off the buyout market. But I mean, it was part of the tr they traded knowing that they were going to get Reggie. So mm -hmm. it was all. But I'm saying it was part of a deal, even if it wasn't in it direct. But my point was re-signing Reggie this summer when there were names like Seth Curry out there. He doesn't care about names. I really believe this. That Calvin doesn't look at. There are guys that, and I think there are GMs that'll take a guy where it's like, I don't love him, but the fans are going to love it, or it's a name. You can't blame me for picking up this guy because it's a name everyone knows. And Seth Curry's averaging four points a game right now. He's like not really that big of a player, yeah. uh, even for Dallas. But it's a guy that if they would have taken Seth Curry over Reggie, they would have won the offseason. They're like, oh, they got a shooter. They got Seth Curry. And so I think that's another trait of him to keep in mind, and this is the name part of it. I wouldn't be surprised if one of these names that Harrison has that we all kind of laugh at, and it's like, no, I like what he does this, and, and goes off. But we'll see. To your point, he hasn't gunslinged quite like that. Not at all. Let's take a break. On the other side, forwards and centers. I think that if they get a guy, it's probably a center, and you do have some really interesting names there. <laughs> they have to. Uh, guys, at Illegal Pete's, they got burritos. They got nachos. Quesadillas. Ugh. Taquitos. Taquitos, whatever you want, they got it at Illegal Pete's. This episode brought to you by Illegal Pete's. They got a new location in Wheat Ridge, bringing Colorado's favorite burritos and notoriously strong margaritas to the neighborhood. 
every illegal peach you go to, it's going to have a bar in it. It's going to have great food in it. Awesome place to kick it with friends. Awesome place to hang out, get a quick bite to eat. Tons of locations around Colorado and that new one in Wheat Ridge, located in Gold's Marketplace, corner 26th and Kipling. So make sure to check it out. Uh, the brand new Illegal Pete's in Wheat Ridge. They are your go-to spot for Burritos, Buddies, and Beer and Good Times. <laughs> Burritos, Buddies, Beer, and yeah. Good Times. Interesting. That's, I feel like the good times are a result of the Burritos, Buddies, and Beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do my Colorado sports watching at the DNVR bar, but when I'm not here, I go to Harrison's house and I watch through the window. He has Fubo TV. He's got it all set up. Yeah, I take a little cloth, <laughs> wipe, make sure I can see. Uh, Harrison, change the channel. Turn it up. 140 plus live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. Stream live TV from any device and watch the most Colorado sports for the lowest price. And that's the hook, isn't it? That's been a strangely difficult thing to do in Colorado. Times are changing. How do you get it all, or how do you get most of it, and how do you get it at the best price? You do it with Fubo TV. Uh, get it now at www.fubotv.com slash dnvr make sure you add that slash dnvr part there or scan the qr code on your screen you're going to sign up you'll get 15 percent off your first month of fubo pro you know i watched some fubo last night what's up uh the second episode of true detective uh, season four took a step back i ah. re- recommended it i'll keep you posted uh, keep us posted all right when take us to the forwards So these are the five forwards I have picked out for potential Nuggets trade targets. And keep in mind, I'm looking at guys making $10 million and less because the poppers, the the borderline homeless players of the NBA. (laughs) Yes, Uh, because that is like the most money the Nuggets, I think, would realistically trade to get up to like. And that's with them trading Zeke Naji, who I don't know if anybody actually wants. Um, so most likely, if the Nuggets do trade for a player, that guy's going to be making like a million, two million, three million bucks, which is, you know, you don't have exactly the cream of the crop making that kind of money. You know what's crazy is that that is like the highest paid player, play, paid player in the NHL. Yeah. Like, like Nathan McKinnon makes like seven million dollars. Yeah, I heard them complaining about <laughs> a player, and they're like, I don't know the guy's name, so I can't even get them in trouble. And they were like, man. That four million is really gonna hurt, and I just started I cackling. I'm like, it's, that's gonna that, that hamstrings you with the cap sheet. I don't there? get it, man. Whatever. Yeah. So like a lot of these guys that I see people throw out all the time, Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, it's been thrown he's, out of this podcast. He's making twelve million dollars. I mean, yeah. that's Zeke Naji plus Reggie Jackson plus others. It's just not no. feasible. It's just not gonna happen. So uh, that's what I made this list in mind with. Uh, so here are some of my forwards: Daniel House. Okay. Rotting away on Philly's bench. Daniel. Uh, yeah, I think that's actually how it is it pronounced. Is. Daniel House. Uh, former Nugget, Tory Craig. Oh, man. Let's just bring everybody back. He might <sighs> exceed Alex Caruso's minutes in the playoffs. Can't do it. <laughs> this Can't be, do it. This would be an ultimate tribute move to Tim Connolly to just bring back players that were previously. This on one's yeah. not happening. I'm going to go ahead and stamp this one will not happen. <laughs> yeah, I put that at a 0% chance. Uh a candidate on the worst hair in the oh, NBA team, no. Reggie Bullock. Oh man, this you'd is, be happy about that one. This is this the way you feel about Bruce Brown. I feel about Reggie Bullock, except for the opposite. I would have to pretend I loved his hair every <laughs> night. I'd be like, man, that's so awesome. I love how he has essentially three dreadlocks and they're all a different color. 
It's cool. <laughs> you're so dialed in on his hair. <laughs> you're, you're still locked in on it. I'm telling you, when I watch basketball games... He hasn't even and played this season. When I watch Houston. a basketball game and I just one guy's hair just drives... Like, I just watch it the whole time. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, Jalen McDaniels. Uh, that's the bad McDaniels brother. He's in Toronto. <laughs> Not Jay, well, when you sell it Jaylen. like that. Yeah. Also, Jay Sean Tate, another Houston Rocket. Those are my forwards. I love Jay Sean Tate. That is the total one that if Cal made that move, he has to expect him to play a lot of minutes over somebody. But I but you know the thing is, I think Malone loves Peyton Watson. I like know. I don't think Peyton thing. Watson's losing minutes. So no chance. Which is why like a Jalen McDaniels, no thanks, right? He plays over a Peyton or, yeah. or he wouldn't play over a Peyton. Jay Sean Tate though is so much smaller than you think. He's like six four, six there's five. No yeah, there's no universe that Calvin Booth would put Peyton Watson in a position where he'd get fewer minutes. Yeah, there's no way. Right. I mean, in theory, Jay Sean Tate is just a super small power forward, but you're right. Malone loved Jay Sean Tate, too, by the way, when he was a Nuggets Summer League star. Oh, yeah, former Nuggets Summer Leaguer. Oh, man. All right, what about centers here? Centers, this is probably the most interesting like, group of uh, now players we're here. Now we're talking about actual position of need. Yeah. <laughs> Number one. On my uh, big board at center, it's Andre Drummond. This is oh, the guy. This is like every Nuggets' player's guy, and I don't get it. He's like had an oddly resurgent season. I agree. I think he sucks. I mean, he just reminds me of like a bigger, more lumbery DeAndre Jordan. But also better and produces. He is a better yeah, also DeAndre, just way better. Yeah, way better. <laughs> but he's kind like of, a, you know, the thing about Drummond, though, it, he's a little strange. Like, I wonder if he would fit in culturally to Denver. We'll see. He has been a problem early in his career. I think he's matured past that and stuff. But yeah, yeah, he's way past that. He's I know, but I'm saying he's a strange personality though. Does yeah. his Hall he's of Fame matured, but he's still up? strange. If it comes to Denver, does it go up from 05 percent to 07 percent? That's a total regular season move. There's no way he even plays in the playoffs. But whatever. What about Jock Landau, guys? Yes, <laughs> yes. Give me landfill. Uh, he's on a, uh, I think, an expiring deal with the Rockets. It makes a good amount though, right? Yeah. Eight million. Yes, I, yes. Okay. I would I, I would welcome this move. Why why is it that you like him so much? I just he It's because he played well against the Nuggets. He played well against the Nuggets, but also he's just uh he he's played well against a scrapper. He's, he's a spirited player, yes. And he uh he's real lunch pail guy. He's a real lunch pail guy, and that's you truly want that. And he can rebound. He's just got He's twenty eight. Yeah. yeah, he's not young. He came into the NBA late. I didn't realize he was that old though. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how a trade like that would work out. It'd be too hard. It'd be a, they'd have to just love Zeke Naji for some reason. <laughs> Maybe pre-draft they loved Zeke or well, something. You never know. Yeah. Um, this is north of the border again. Thaddeus Young. <laughs> God, how old border. is Thad? He's old. He's old. He's old. <laughs> He's not very good either. Thad Young's <laughs> the Justin Holiday of the power forward spot. Yeah. Hustler, rebounder. Yeah. Still not like a true center though. No. Okay, what else? Here's a center for you. Okay. Xavier Tillman. I Xavier love Xavier Tillman. Tillman. There's no way they're trading him. I love Xavier Tillman. That you have my happening. attention if he were being traded. There's some rumors he might be available. Okay. Wow, that has insane. my attention. I don't know how you do it. Why? Yeah, I wonder what is going on with him. Here's another one for you. How Dayron much? Sharp of the Brooklyn Nets. Another backup center option who's not getting a lot of run right now. Well, hold on. I'm going to go back to Tillman here. Okay. Because he is in that, like, end of a rookie deal. So you probably are signing him just to lose him. You know, I'm guessing. I mean, I haven't really looked into this. You just brought it up. But he only makes $2 million. Like, that's a deal that you could get done, in theory, for 
you know, a Jalen Pickett and a pick or something, you know, where you, you gave up an asset without necessarily losing a main impact player. And it, as much as it would suck to lose something like that for a one-year piece, if you do have faith in your Christians and your Julians and your guys behind them, but you're just like, they're not quite ready, they'll be ready in a year, Tillman is a hell of a backup center, man. That guy's a really good player. Good player. Yeah. Smart, tough, like he could it, and he could play for you in a playoffs against certain matchups. He's not the type of center that you're like, yeah, but we don't need a. He could actually play against a Minnesota or a Lakers if you needed to like put yeah. him out on AD for minutes yoke rest. And what I actually love about him is he's actually got some offensive skill. You know, well, so many of these centers that we talk about are just rim runners or you know run and dunk guys. Yeah. He's actually got a little bit of skill. You could trade Chanchar so that the, they could pair Conchar and Chanchar. That's Ooh. worth it to me. That That'd alone be would be exciting. For, might for do Memphis. that in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Here's another one that uh, might get your juices flowing. Dario Saric. Are you just saying this to bring it up on social now if we say we like Saric? No, I, I think Saric would be a good fit. Are you going to put us in a graphic? If we if respond. we say we like Saric, who is Saric? Who are you getting? Who are you trading for Saric? Vlatko and a pick. You or? think that? Oh, it's just the Warriors blow it up, and it's just yeah, like man, for sure. That would be insane if Denver somehow got Dario Saric. And again, it's just like the Tillman thing, where you're probably not getting this as a long term fit, unless for some reason he just loved it and wanted to resign for cheap. But you're probably only getting him for this run. But damn it, man, he would be so good, and he could play in the playoffs too. It's not unthinkable. It's not unthinkable that he's he's at a point in his career where he probably wants to go, uh, you know, ring hunting a little bit, like uh, the David West portion of his career, you know, where he would yeah, go yeah. sign to the Warriors. The other guy I threw in here, and I really wonder what's going to happen with the Warriors. If, if they just suck for another month up until the trade deadline, or are they really maybe going to have a fire sale? If you could somehow get Kavon Looney at backup center, man, that would be crazy. there's no way. Why not? He's too good. I if mean, he's available. You're getting outbid, no? Maybe. He's too good to be a backup center. I think. I don't know. I, I mean, he would be awesome. He would be awesome. You also put Daron Sharp in here. Yeah, he did, I already he said. Him. Oh, you already talked about him. You know, he's only two players have a better block rate right now. Gar, I'm sorry, non-centers <laughs> than Peyton Watson. Dayron Sharp's one of them. Scotty Barnes, Dayron wow. Sharp, and then Peyton Watson. Kind of wild. Crazy. Josh brings up a good point. Dario Saric does have terrible hair. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just abysmal hair. He he somehow has hat hair. Yeah. 24 hours a day. No, he he's he's always wet. Yeah. It's like he it's took bad. a shower and put on a hat it's, it's, and then played in a basketball game. It's a tough sitch, but I would, I would overlook it. Um, all right, hit that outro music. Oh, we have some super chats to get to. What do we got? Boop, do, 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 do. Nuggets Twitter is the king. <laughs> Let's go. All right. <laughs> Grace J, did you guys hear Nate Duncan refer to the Nuggets as an exceedingly well-coached defensive team when discussing the Celtics game? I did not. Uh, but, I didn't. Uh, Coach of the Year. Good compliment. Coach did, of the Year. Did he touch on the Sixers game at all in that same podcast? Uh, just kidding. Josh Barnett. Imagine Marlowe. Mills. Yes. 
from down under. <laughs> yeah. That was my Chris Marlowe. <laughs> that Australia. would be great. See, if I really think about it, I could see Patty Mills hitting one big shot in the playoffs. For sure. I Just mean, one, though. Has Patty Mills Marcus only one. Yeah. Big shots in the playoffs. So <laughs> it is so possible. true. That's an actual true this statement. thing that happened. <laughs> that actually happened. Five, 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 five. Ish. Catch up super chat for the Boston and Washington game. Every nugget is good. Every nugget is okay. <laughs> That's true. Seven of the Nuggets are really good, though. Um, all right, that does it for today. As you can see from this exercise, unless the Nuggets are willing to make a bigger move than we imagine, these the players' names are not very big. I mean, there's one or two in there that, you know, the Sarichs, the Tillmans, that you go, hmm, it doesn't feel possible to me. But to your point, every year at the trade deadline, there's this one deal where you're like, what? How did that happen? How did that happen for that price? And so, why is it never us? And why is it never us? Maybe this is the year, Cal. Cal pulls off a trade like that. It would be like, oh my God, I can't believe something like that happened. So you never know. And then, of course, there's always the chance. I will say, Chris Haynes reported that the Nuggets were interested in Bruce. He kind of didn't, though. He just, it, I mean, it it's, sounded it's like he was literally like, impossible. He's, it uh, unless they're, not. On, what, they're trading KCP? That's what I mean. But again, we don't, that's not a thing that any of us think is even remotely possible. I know, possible, but that report but. is kind of like, this would be nice. Also, it's not happening. Yeah, uh, it sounded like he was like, hey, it'd be cool to get Bruce Brown. Yeah, they're like, yeah. Be cool. like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tweet time. <laughs> well, I don't see it happening. But you always leave the door open for something crazy happening at the trade deadline and that's what we're doing all right everybody thanks for hanging out with us tomorrow pacers Ooh. another good one man by the way tomorrow the home debut of the halliburton siakam duo they've oh, been on the road for six games so they're siakam. returning after being on the road for a week and a half and then they're debuting their new look team so that's actually great for us the nuggets are walking into a haymaker prepared well for them. No, this is a an unrehearsed haymaker they don't they've not in five games, that's when the true haymaker comes. I'm just saying that, that, a build, maker. that building, as far as the Pacers building can get popping, that building will have a, an extra house. excitement to it. The oh, field house. Sure. I'm sorry. That we'll field have a field house. day at the field house. Um, so it'll, it should be, I think, uh, the Nuggets need to bring their A game for it. All right, everybody, oh, hit that like button on the way out. We'll see you. Let's go. Oh, awesome. Like the mayor.